Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good to see everybody. Uh, if you've, I didn't get to be here last week because I was at the youth gathering, and I understand we had worship over in the in the fellowship hall. So love that smell of new floor in the morning, right? Looks great up here. So we're excited about that. Welcome to worship. We have a few announcements today. Uh, Walk, talk, pray is this Wednesday at Summit Park in Blue Ash. In Pastor Pat's absence, it will be hosted by Jen Jarman. So, uh, yeah, change things up a bit. Yeah. She's going to make him maybe move a little quicker. Yeah. (laughs) She's given firm instructions on a brisk pace. No. Uh, So also, 55 Plus Club Luncheon is Tuesday, August 6th. The uh, luncheon is called Memories of the Grand Old Theaters, so you can send reservations and $15 a person to John Van Osdall by Monday, July 30th. Um, Also, today, uh, 3 p.m. this Sunday at Habitat, is going to be a Habitat concert at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Montgomery. Michael Chertok, pianist, Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, and Sound of Joy Community Choir and others will perform. Admission is free. But there will be a free will offering to support Habitat for Humanity. So go check that out. Also, our Taft Elementary classes need school supplies. So to get off to a successful start this school year, please check your R-Life. We have a list of most needed supplies, and you can help support them as we do around here. Um, the collection bin is out in the lobby and will be there until August 6th. Also, Coben Hinman. Uh, has yes, there she is. Coben has asked, uh, saying she needs eight 24 count crayons in boxes, and then it says specifically right here, non toxic. So I know you're thinking this is my opportunity to buy some poisonous crayons. Don't. It says right here we want the non toxic kind. Uh, you can turn that in by uh, July 25th. It's going to be going to help fill preschool drawstring backpacks. For the Price Hill School Fair, you can leave donations at the front desk for Coben. Non-toxic. Got that? 24 count. Okay. I think we're ready, Freddie. Good morning. A reading from Ezekiel chapter 2. Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. The spirit came into me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet. I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are a stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I am sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, For remember, they are rebels. At least they will know they have had a prophet among them. Here ends the reading. And now a reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. 
Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up in paradise, to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. So Jesus left that part of the country and returned to his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed, isn't he just a carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? His sisters, they live right here among us. They were deeply offended. They refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere, except in his own town among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them, take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money, he did allow them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. If any place refuses to welcome you or to listen to you, shake, shake the dust from your feet. Leave it to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out. They went out telling everyone they met, repent of your sins, turn to God. And they cast out many demons. They healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. You may be seated. So I'm super excited to get to talk to you. Um, main reason is because uh, I literally couldn't have talked to you a few days ago after the youth gathering. Um, I lost my voice on day three, and you're going, but Pastor Alex, you talk so much. And you're right. I didn't even realize you could run out of talk fuel. But I did. I was fresh out. And uh, yeah, it was exciting. And it wasn't from yelling at our high schoolers. I want to say that. They did great. Um, it was from, my day was usually 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I was in the Interaction Center talking to some 11,000 kids all day. 
So ran out of that old talk fuel. I couldn't do it. It was too many. Um, then I'd go to NRG Stadium and we'd spend the evening cheering and singing and all this stuff and it just ran out. Uh, it was an incredible experience. We got to hear some amazing speakers. Our kids got to work alongside other kids in service work, serving the homeless population in Houston at a local day shelter. I was super encouraged to hear that they got to more than just serve physically, like moving their hands around or moving things. They spent time with people and learned their stories. And a lot of them even commenting, you know, how close many people are to this situation. It's really, how, how are we so different? You know, there's not many differences. So it was great to hear it. Every night they'd hear faith stories from people, uh, God challenging them, but also always God supporting them in these stories of great adversity where God just encountered people and amazing stories. They got to hear about God's hope for the world, a hope that's not some far-off future destination for future people, but a hope that's very real and present, that we would all be gifted, blessed by it. When it comes to understanding our call, I think I was really encouraged by some of the reflections our high schoolers offered in, their, uh, in the group chat. We had a group chat and we asked a question about how this has changed them. And to hear their stories has been fantastic. They were affected. I mean, just watching them. I don't know, have you ever seen hundreds of kids waiting outside of a big stadium in like incredible Houston heat for hours to make sure they got front row seats for what is essentially a worship service? It was weird. I asked the guys who were making sure we didn't burst through the fence. They're like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, you ever seen kids this hungry to sing praise songs? They're like, no, no, I haven't. Um, you ever seen kids who are, uh, they're, they're in the middle of this praise service, and um, we all know if we've had little ones, they like to use the restroom right in the middle as often as they can. So we have, we have youth here that they had to use the restroom, and because of the music playing, they went, you know what, I'm going to hold it. I, I really like this song. I've never seen that. Like, no offense, but I've never seen it. It was incredible. I watch hundreds of kids openly begin to cry when they hear someone share a story about God's radical love and grace and how it changed them, how it changed an experience for the better. I have. It was amazing. You ever seen kids walk through like crowds of thousands with their hands outstretched, giving tons of high fives? wanting to know where people are from. We think kids are so into their phones, but the reality is you put them around people. They're, they're into it as much as anyone else is. You ever see a couple hundred kids come together in prayer and pray for their home congregations, pray for the mission of other congregations as well, that they might bless the world? You ever seen 30,000 kids receive communion at once? It's something. It's something, I'll tell you. By a show of hands, how many of you think that a big bundle of those 30,000 kids had an encounter with God and the Holy Spirit? Right? I can vouch. It was cool. It reminds me of the story of Jesus coming home, because now we're home. Jesus, Jesus' community sees them, and I wonder if we might do the same. Will we recognize them anymore after these encounters? Will they be so affected that perhaps they will dare to share a new story with us of how God is working in the world? from a perspective that we might struggle to come to grips with because we didn't share that experience. That's what happens when Jesus comes home to his community. His community sees him and listens to him teach, and immediately they go, this guy has changed. He is different. They see he's powerful. They know he can do wonderful things. They know he's learned some stuff, but they're pretty confident what he learned didn't come from home. It came from somewhere else. Where's he getting this from? And then the underlying question, should we even trust him? Where did he get this from?
It's a question we all wrestle with. Where do we get our information from? What's real? What's not real? A lot of times it all depends on who's telling us the information, right? Who are you more likely to trust, a family member or a stranger, someone you've known for years or someone you've just met? That's obvious. The question I have is, what are we to do as a people of faith when we've learned throughout scriptures and throughout history that God has this incredible habit of raising up prophets in our midst who speak a word of truth that sometimes is hard to understand or accept in our time and place? You know, people thought uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at his time, many people, faithful people thought, he's out of line, he's pushing this thing too hard. He's a little out of touch with reality. In fact, his own peers often would tell him, Martin, you've got to quiet down with the justice and equality talk the way you're talking about it. I get it comes from the Bible. I get it's God's hope. But over time, it'll sort itself out. You don't need to be this aggressive about talking about it all the time in all these places. It'll sort itself out. He wrote a letter about how frustrating that was while he sat in, sat in jail one day to be told, sorry, prophet, not right now. What kind of world would we be in without those teachings, his leadership? We realize now he was obviously a prophet. Though many disagreed with him in his time, he boldly proclaimed that God's hope for the world was not being realized in segregation when people's civil rights were being trampled upon. He was an incredible instigator of positive change in the world. And this message came, this was a pastor. This was someone who was steeped in God's hope for the world. And that meant his message didn't necessarily come from this world. It came from the kingdom. And the kingdom has a sound to it that sometimes is a little challenging. That's what prophets do. That's how God speaks to us, through one another. God speaks through prophets, a word of new life. And this message comes from a perspective, this other reality, this kingdom reality, where things are a little different. All are fed in this reality. And this reality, all are welcome. In this reality, all are forgiven, fed, healed. On this mountain, I will create, or all of creation, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich foods. That's a kingdom reality when we will one day be, in an instant, like God. Prophets' visions are no longer constrained to their own soul experience and perspective. It's widened due to an encounter with this kingdom reality. What if? What if? Prophets bring a message of life from outside the box, from another way of viewing things, a place beyond what we would consider familiar, and God gives that perspective because we need it. What's that saying? You, you can't know what you don't know, right? So God sends a prophet amongst us to speak from outside what we know to show us another way. This is Jesus' game. This is why he's always met with either wonder or distrust. What is he talking about? Because the problem is we have a genuine, genuine distrust of the unfamiliar. We've trained ourselves in an us-versus-them mentality that leads us to reject the unfamiliar because what if it's wrong and what if I look foolish? What if it's a trick? What if it's bad? What if we lose in the end? Oftentimes, because of this unfamiliarity, we have a hard time believing even another person's experience because my experience says this. Yours says that, I guess. What you're saying, you're claiming is true, but what about mine? And that's bound to be frustrating because we get angry. How dare you invalidate my experience, my very specific experience? And then fear grows because we start to wonder, 
what if I am wrong? What if I am learning something? What if that happens? Then this very insecure and scared little monster pops up in our head and goes, impossible. You're a liar then. Because there's no way I could be wrong, not with what I've seen. And it comes across then that the prophet, the prophet's sole job is then calling everybody foolish, misguided. They lack vision. And just so you know, in the narrative of prophets, this is always when they get killed. Because who here wants to be called foolish? I'll try it. Don't kill me. No. Right? You say that, and especially you say that as prophets did about kings and rulers. Ooh. Gone. That's Jesus's case. This is Jesus' case today. How do you tell me how to be me? Your experience is not my experience, Jesus. Jesus teaches unfamiliar things, and because of that, he is no longer considered a part of that community. He's no longer one of us. He's one of them. And we know this because in the text it says he was unable to do any miracles there except that he placed his hand on a few sick people and healed them, which, let's be honest, that's pretty rad. But he couldn't do what he usually did, which was quite astonishing, apparently. And I always thought, when I, when I heard that, I thought he couldn't heal because the people lacked faith, as though healing depended on faith. Because in other stories it says, your faith made you well. So maybe it's because they didn't believe they didn't get healed. I'm starting to wonder now, based on how the story goes, did people even come asking for healing? They distrusted him. They were offended by his teachings. Who's going to go to the guy that offended him and go, hey, you mind healing me? I believe. No. It's terrible. He healed them, but only the ones who came. Because they had been determined in that community, Jesus is off limits. <coughs> Word had gotten out. He's a them. He's not an us. How sad. There was healing that could have been done. Transformation and resurrection, but I'm sorry, you don't come from here. How often can something good come from someone I disagree with? Nothing. Nothing good. I mean, if it is good, it's barely good, because... They're clearly out of touch. That's a big problem for us as people of faith. How then does God speak to us when we're so full of distrust for any view we don't already hold? If God means to speak to us through prophets, how do we discern? How do we know if this is a word of God? How do we know when to respond faithfully? In short, how do we begin to trust that God is working for good through one another? Great news. Here it is. It's come around. It's Jesus, you guys. Always Jesus. Jesus is the answer. After being shut down in his own community, he gives us an example, an answer to this lack of trust. After being completely ignored, dismissed, and basically infantilized, they were like, remember him? He was that baby who wore his shirt backwards all the time. Like they know who he is and they infantilize this guy. He leaves this town saddened. It says he was amazed. We need to do a bit of training, disciples, clearly. So what they had observed was that the community could not trust his word or trust it was from God. They could not trust that God speaks a word they had not already thought up themselves or experienced in their own situations. They had a fundamental issue with trust. And Jesus knew everyone was going to be that way, including the disciples. Because at one point, you guys remember the story where the disciples see um, people healing People in Jesus' name, they're casting out demons. They see it, and they run back to Jesus and go, Jesus, they're like tattletales. They're like, Jesus, you know there are people over there healing and casting out demons. And Jesus goes, yo, really? 
And he goes, yeah, and they're doing it in your name. And he goes, whoa. And he goes, but here's the kicker, Jesus. They're not one of us. I don't even know these fools. And Jesus goes, oh, what's the problem? What's the issue? And they're like, they're not one of us. And he goes, they're healing in my name. They're casting out demons. They're generally doing good work, yeah? And they're like, sort of, yes. Right. And Jesus goes, cool, let them be, man. Trust, that's good. They're not enemies of ours. We're, we're working together towards the same goals. There's trust there. Trust them. If it's good, it's good. Jesus needs to teach the disciples about trust. So he says, guess what, gang? Pair off, walking stick, shirt, shoes, that's it. Don't bring anything else. I need you to trust. I want you to go about to other towns. I want you to go into new places and meet new people. Go. Trust that God is working for good. Trust. If the people ignore you, that's fine. If they can't see what God's doing in you is good, don't worry about it. In the wise words of Taylor Swift, shake it off, man. Shake it off. Or Jay-Z, brush that dirt off your shoulder. It's fine. Just do it. Don't go try. Trust that what if... For a moment, we were instead of listening to a stranger with cautiousness and distrust and skepticism, what if instead we went amongst people and listened to a perspective that was not our own and listened for God's word that is within it? What if we actually believe God works through all of us? We're all made in God's image, right? We, we have to agree to that. What if God's working through all people as well? What if we need each other? What if we need to see one another more clearly if we ever want to grow in intimacy with the God who created us in God's image? You want to know what God looks like? Look around. Want to know what God looks like? Go out and meet more people. What if our high schoolers, prophets in their own rights, I did get you all to raise your hand that you believe they had an experience with the divine. You all agreed, I'm, no take backs. What if our high schoolers baptized, anointed with the Holy Spirit, prophets in their own right to go out, to be disciples, to prophesy? What if they brought a word to us that challenged us? What if they stood before us as Jesus and his disciples did and said, like in Ezekiel, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord, we have a word of new life, of healing, of hope, of mercy, of peace, of radical grace and love. It'll bring healing and hope. But like the prophets before, we're going to need to change, repent, turn. We need to change our lives. We need to change our hearts. I wonder, if a high schooler said that to us, would we listen? Or would we respond with a, who taught you this? Nice, but a little naive. Unrealistic. You know that's not how the world works, right? Or, sure, they'll learn one day that this is a little pie in the sky. I hope we'd listen. I hope we'd trust and realize that there is something growing in this church that means to take us to new places. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of loving our neighbors, I hope we might practice trust and know that God is working for good through this great big body of believers that includes our smallest, that includes our oldest and wisest.
I hope we're changed. I hope we're inspired. I'm not saying if our kids say, go play in traffic, we do that. I'm just saying, what if, when they brought this word of life, I hope we would ask a question and help one another discern. Ask, what has God said to you? How have you encountered the living God, and how can we help you respond to it boldly? Sad fact is, as Ezekiel puts it, many of us will say, no thank you. (laughs) Whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. We're stubborn, we know our game. They shall know that there has been a prophet among them. That is one thing that's certain. And I say, regardless of who's listening, that's good news. Prophets are still amongst us. Thanks be to God for this word of life, this word of love, this word of hope, of resurrection and reconciliation that's now resting on the lips of our young people. That may be resting on your lips. I hope we're bold enough to share it because we know this is a community of believers that trust God is working good through every utterance of this good news. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.